the way that we disconnect the Old Testament from our understanding of Christ was not how the early church behaved. They took the Old Testament first. And all of the work of the New Testament leans on the Old Testament. Paul was an Old Testament scholar. So much of the rest of what Paul talks about is leaning on prophecy and referring back to other fulfillment scriptures. Certainly Matthew leans heavily on it for his gospel. They're all leaning on it. So we shouldn't disregard it as we now have these new texts in the New Testament. So certainly the early church never questioned a Trinitarian read of the Old Testament. They just had new eyes to see it because of Christ. Hi, and welcome back to Study with Friends. We're currently taking several series to study the themes of land, descendants, and special relationship through the Old Testament. We've been through the Pentateuch, and this week we finish our second series on the former prophets. If you'd like to re-listen to this series or listen to any of the others, you can find them at our website, studywithfriends.org. Just type Old Testament in the search bar. We're also available to stream on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, and you can now watch the ladies on YouTube. Let's begin the conclusion of our study. So let's go ahead into, unless there's more that you want to um, do from the homework. We did a little bit. I I asked you to dive into some scarcity versus um, bounty. Um, And did did that have any, yeah, let's do that really quickly. Any uh, echoes in your own spiritual walk? Um, what I'm, what I'm leaning into here is, uh, something we used in a, a couple sessions ago, complacency. Like when you get comfortable, do you find that that, um, tends to be a place where sin somehow grows? Yeah, I can actually speak to this one. This one, um, was really personal for me. I totally get where you're coming from because how can a God that loves and is just provide that kind of punishment? It's really, really painful. And I, I actually struggle with that read also because then I go, who is my God? And then I have to go back and kind of remind myself of who he is. But for me, um, scarcity was actually what brought me to faith. So uh, I've, I've shared very little of my story, I think, outside of this. Um, I came to faith uh, because my I, I was trying to do something fun and fill some time uh, by going to a MOPS program. And, and literally, I was just filling time. I was just killing time. I was a stay-at-home mom. And years later, because it was probably eight years of going through all that, um, that I first came to faith and I had a really bad marriage. I had a lot of trouble with my kids and that was what, um, brought me to my knees in recognizing that I needed something. And it was through very slow progress of, um, just recognizing the scarcity in my life, which was marriage and family. Um, even not the best of relationships with um, outside my family. There's a lot of arguing. We found joy in arguing in my outside family. Uh, that's what drove me to God. And then I became a Christian and everything was great. And there was a lot of prosperity and there was a lot of good stuff that came from it. My kids were better, this, that, and the other. And then that just led me on another path of destruction. And I started to go back to old ways and I started to use God. It's funny, we Paul Miller just talked about this, that those stickers that came out, I guess, in the 80s, Jesus is my co-pilot. Mm. And he was like, he's not your co-pilot. Like, he's the center of everything. We were so proud to say well, here's our co-pilot as if, you know, I've got the wheel and he's just kind of giving me some good advice. Um, and that's where I, I came to that place where he was just giving me some good advice. And I just, I, I fell into a pit. And so now, luckily he saved me from that because it was all him. 
And now I just try and balance this desperate need that I have for God with the blessings that I'm giving. So I find when I'm in blessing, that's when I turn the most away from God is when I feel like everything is together. Mm -hmm. So when everything is together, I want to be like David and go, no, I need to run to you and dance to your music and sing your songs and love you more and remember your blessings. So it's just a perpetual balance for me um, to not go back to the wilderness. That's great. Thank you for being personal and transparent about it. Can I ask you a couple questions? Mm -hmm. Practically speaking, what are the steps that you take? So what I heard you say is you learned a lesson. Mm -hmm. And what I also think I heard you say was, I don't want to learn it again the same way. <laughs> right. Right. Because God has to help us not go down that road again, but we have to agree with it. Mm -hmm. Trust and obey. Can you throw out any practical ways? Because it sounds to me like you changed some habits mm -hmm as a result of being intentional about not going back to that place. Can you just say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, so I knew all the right things to say and do. I did very good Christian. I was a very good Christianese kind of Christian. Uh, but when I was in the place of my path of destruction, I'm just going out and partying with friends and doing things that, you know, were not good for me. I actually got into prayer. It was the biggest change because I always did those nice prayers. I prayed with my kids, be thankful before bed and do this. But it was actually a moment where I desperately realized that I could not do it on my own. And so prayer was massive for me. And so now when I am not in prayer, I recognize my pull away because I don't need him as much. I need to need him. I need to desperately need him for every single thing that I do. And so prayer is even when I can just sit quietly and I can start out with the basics of please fix this person's knee, you know, like those kind of things. I can really then understand how much I love the person who needs their knee fixed and how desperately they need the knee to be fixed. And I obviously I go with something basic, but so prayer is where I can really go in my relationship with God, which drove me to the word because I needed to understand him. How can a God punish and love and this and that? And so I needed to understand him so much deeper and so much more than I did. To and know how to pray rightly. To know how to pray. Mm -hmm. How do I talk to him? How does what he's saying make sense? How, how does, can my prayers be effective? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, is he a genie? And I don't want him to be a genie. And I don't think it's fair for him to have What do you mean genie. by a genie? Um, is he just someone that I go, like, I really want to go to Florida this year. Please fix whatever's happening so I can go to Disney World. You know, and, and there is, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for that. I don't want to ever throw out that we shouldn't pray because he says, ask. We have a shared friend who we both are praying will be able to make her trip. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. We should be in prayer for that. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about like the excitement of being able to go on the trip. It's just, mm -hmm. it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. So. One of the ways that I, I say is like, when you pick up the phone to talk to God, you don't just pick up the phone and say, here's everything I need and hang up. Right. You wouldn't do that if you were talking to a friend. You would listen to what your friend had to say. So then that's so good. Thank you again for being honest about that. Any other applications? Um, promised land or scarcity, wilderness, um, dependence, sufficiency. I don't know. Kathy did a great job of personal applications. Let's do the New Testament. I, I We're going to skim over this, but I did tackle a gigantic topic here, which is a Trinitarian read of the Old Testament. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do I mean by a Trinitarian read? Somebody tell me because you did the homework. You can see the Trinity all over the Old Testament? Yes. Okay. So some people agree with that statement and some people don't. Obviously, Jewish people do not. And so uh, we have the big question of Christ 
But we also have the question of the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And so I, this is a whole Bible study, a whole like six months of study that you could do, um, understanding the other two persons of the Trinity in the Old Testament. We're not going to do that. But I am going to give you a couple of places where uh, the New Testament helps us be sure that we're not imposing the Trinity on the Old Testament, that we aren't imposing the Trinity on the Old Testament. And might I add that it is super exciting to see it when you're actually reading it, because I've seen it in Kings, and I go to my husband, oh my gosh, yeah. this is Jesus. I know, I love that. It's actually that. really exciting. Me too, me too. I love that. It makes me jump out of my yeah. skin. Um, and, and so there's a couple things, and I don't know if I did it here, that I think we need to understand is that the early church did not say, what do we do with the Old Testament now that Christ? They said, how do we understand Christ in light of the Old Testament? And how do we now understand the Old Testament in light of Christ? In the early church, there was never, except for a guy named Marcion, but we are not going to talk about him because he was a hot mess. There was never, he was the first heretic. There was never a question about does Christ fit? It was like you just had. Can you imagine in the early church how many moments they were having like that where they were just like, Oh my gosh, this text mm -hmm. makes so much more sense now. Oh my gosh, this text makes so much more sense now. And that we have the benefit of reading that. We almost become jaded to it. Because we're like, of course Isaiah was talking about Christ. By his stripes we will be healed. Of course he was talking about Christ. Actual stripes, obviously. But but the the early church was just having fits about this. They, and, and certainly in the book of Acts, this is why faith was like a wild through the Roman Empire. Because people saw it so clearly that Christ was the plan all along. And again, we are so jaded to that. Just take a moment to not be jaded to it. We live in this advantaged but somewhat disadvantaged time where we don't get that awestruck feeling of, this is, I'm having goosebumps right now. This is what it was always all about. Then in the same way that I've explained the covenants revealed a little bit more about God's plan. And then of course we have the new Testament and Christ reveals more about God's plan and the gospels of course. And then Paul elucidates more about God's plan. And then revelation shows, Oh, this is the whole daggone thing. But the early church had this moment of Christ and looking back and remember the early church, the very, very earliest church, like in, during the time of acts, they all, the only sacred text they had was the Old Testament. No disciples had written a gospel yet. Paul had not written a letter yet. So all they had for scripture, but they always appreciated this as God's word to the Christians. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you mm -hmm. now? That the way that we disconnect the Old Testament from our understanding of Christ was not how the early church behaved. They took the Old Testament first and and all of the work of the New Testament leans on the Old Testament. Paul was a, a, an Old Testament scholar. So much of what he's talking about, like Romans 12 too, and so much of the rest of what Paul talks about is leaning on prophecy and referring back to uh, other fulfillment uh, scriptures. So they're all leaning on it. Certainly Matthew leans heavily on it for his gospel. They're all leaning on it. So we shouldn't disregard it as we now have these new texts in the New Testament, we shouldn't disregard it. So certainly the early church never questioned a, a, a Trinitarian read of the Old 
Testament, they just had new eyes to see it because of Christ. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? Okay, so then deal with the two passages, a very scant number of passages that I included um, on how Jesus um, might have been explaining the unit of the former prophets in Luke 24, because that's where we're living right now. So give me your summary thoughts on that. And then please give me your summary thoughts on Romans 1, verses 1 through 4, and how it's relevant particularly to the former prophets, which is the unit that we're in right now. So who wants to jump into Luke 24 first? Give me the gist. So he is, Jesus comes back and he is walking with these guys and they're like, hey, I can't, have you heard about what's happened? Obviously I'm giving the Yeah, yeah, I said the gist, it's fine. Uh, have you heard what's happened? And he, you know, Jesus. So they didn't recognize Jesus. Right, they didn't recognize They're just who he walking was. on the road. And he said this, Jesus was, you know, persecuted and, and he died on the cross and, and they said, and so Jesus says to them, have you heard? You know, and so he's, so Jesus is reminding them. And this is what you said is what rings with me. And this is, again, we have to remind ourselves all the time because we have such blessings in having the Old and New Testament, but mm -hmm. they didn't have any of the new scriptures, mm -hmm. but they did understand some of the old scriptures, whether they were fluent in them or not, they did understand the old. So he goes back to what they already had and what they already knew to remind them of who he was. Right. Don't you wish that someone had written down every word he said? Yeah. When it's, mm -hmm. a, it's such, it's one of those frustrating and beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus explained everything. And, uh, uh, and what a walk that would be. It's frustrating to not have every, every word of what he said, but um, he gave some of it. So this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Here again, the Psalms. Don't overlook the yeah. Psalms, that they are Christ filled. They are looking forward to a time of Christ. And so I wish that we had more, but, but he's talking about um, the prophets and the time uh, that, we're, that we're studying right now. He, so he's saying from the very beginning, I was the plan. More that you want to say about Luke 24, ladies. Nicole, I feel like you have things you want to say. Let them fly. I was just thinking that there would, there would be suffering before glory. Mm, right. Well, and, and, and one of the reasons he was elucidating that for the disciples is because, oh, this is another thing from seminary. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there were lots and lots of supposed messiahs during the time of Christ. People who came along and had disciples and people thought they were the Messiah. And um, one of my professors, Dr. Lamerson, his first name is Samuel and he says, call me Sam Lamb. Dr. Lamerson says, what we have to remember is a dead Messiah is a failed Messiah. That's how they felt right then because they had seen this play out again and again and again and again. Remember this, Israel was so pregnant with expectation for a Messiah, they were reaching, reaching for a Messiah. Is he the one? Is he the one? They thought John the Baptist might be the one and John the Baptist was like, guys, no, it's not me, it's this guy. So, so other Messiahs, they thought, arose but then the death of that Messiah, however the death occurred, meant the failure of that Messiah. So this was the moment they were living in the, right then. And what Jesus is saying in that suffering part is he's saying the suffering was part of it. I had to suffer. And he's 
pulling the whole thing together with the resurrection. And then they recognize him. And then they're like, whoa, this is no longer a dead and failed Messiah. This is the Messiah. I think about bringing it to, to the nail. I think about how many probably generations say this is the end times. Oh yeah, right? people this love is, to give a date. Right, 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 right. Like, and and how many people and they you know what sell their clothes, whatever. Go and and when it really comes, mm-hmm. what are we going to look like? What are we going to say? How is it going to play out? You know, what, what are we going to trust that we know that it's really true and really coming? But I feel like you had more to say about suffering. Well, I just, you know, when you look back at the Old Testament and they had to do the sacrifices and the, you know, there was a very prescribed way to offer for sin. Mm-hmm. And it always involved pouring out of blood. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that must have been part of his conversation mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, understanding in, in all those sacrifices, there was always a, a blood offering. Mm-hmm. It was always an unblemished animal. That's me. So all of that is Old Testament stuff, right? Like an understanding of what the sacrifice is, what the suffering is, what the payment is for sin. That's really good. Really good thread to pull through. Let's look at Romans 1, 1 to 4 and note the relevance to the former prophets. If we could... I have it. Can I read it for you? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Reflect for me the relevance to the former prophets unit of the Old Testament specifically. Don't overthink it. It's super clear in verse 2, it just says, which was promised beforehand by the prophets. Of the Holy Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And for Paul, this is so important because Paul soaking in these scriptures. So for him to recognize that, part of what I think is why he reminds them is because this was my, I knew all this. I studied all this. I understood all that. And so he called me out of this. And so I'm reminding you guys that that's what I knew. That yes. it's, you know, it was the prophets. Okay. So I'm just going to read what I wrote in the homework. That the Trinitarian read of the Old Testament is really not an imposition. A Trinitarian read of the Old Testament mirrors our understanding of the covenants where we see only in hindsight now how the elements of land, descendants, and a special relationship with God were present as early as the garden. Remember, we we did this in the Pentateuch. We said these covenants don't come along until later, but we then see they're just a formalization of what God had intended all along. So in the same way, in a much bigger way, Christ is a revelation of something that already existed. God's just choosing his own time to show us his truths. And he rolls those out in the time that's right for him and that suits him. And so we don't have to uh, wonder whether the Trinity somehow came to be. It was always, but God chose to reveal it to us later in the kingdom calendar. Do you feel like this is right based on everything you know of the Bible? Or do you think the Trinity Trinity is an imposition on the Old Testament. Tell me your your reflections. I want to hear them. I think the more I look for it, the more I see it. So I wouldn't say an imposition. I would say that you're entirely right to put that angle or look at it from that angle. So would you agree it's just less obvious? Yes. Much more obvious in the New Testament where it's just talked about God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Christ, his Son. We just talk about it all the time. 
less obvious, but but I said um, in a, a few lessons ago, don't we love our little Christophanies? I, I do. This is a hole I like to go down. Like which, what God in the garden walking, that's a Christophany. Yeah. Anytime you see God in a human form. So we say he was walking with them in the garden. That's a Christophany. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The Christophany means a pre- incarnate example of seeing Christ. And so then you see, oh, what about in the book of Daniel, in the fire? There was someone in there that looked like a son of God. Who was that, right? And so that you, you, can, you can now look through and be like, oh, in the same way you can look through at the prophecies and the ways that he fulfilled them. And we love that. We love that. Especially we love to do that Christmas, Christmas Day, mm-hmm. Christmas morning. All of our Christmas reads are all about the prophecies and we choose our favorites and then they become rote to us. But we, they, we should really let them fall on us fresh because Christ was the plan all along. Okay, I'm going to say one more time the things that occurred in the Old Testament in a physical way occur in the New Testament in a spiritual way. So when we think about land, promised land think about it in a spiritual inward way what is your inward promised land and some of the things that I would mention in thinking about that would be hope and peace that passes understanding when things are chaotic around me I remain peaceful when I remain in Christ when the situation seems hopeless I find hope because I have hope in Christ that is my inward promised land, my spiritual promised land. The descendants we've talked about several times, the descendants which were a actual physical seed, this one birthed that one, God bless the genealogies, we have those and we love them. Descendants were very literal in the Old Testament, but they're more spiritual in the New Testament. We talk about other people that we influence or people who influenced us. We we talk about brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of Christ. I can be a descendant, a spiritual descendant, and I can have spiritual descendants. And then certainly special relationship with God uh, through Christ on the cross. So just want to make sure that I'm saying that each time. And if you guys are ready, let's pray it out. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the ways that you show us who you are and what you've done. It gives us hope in what you plan to do. Thank you for giving us a tiny understanding of where we fit in your salvation plan. Thank you for giving us the salvation that you provided through Christ on the cross. Thank you for what he did and that you raised him in authority so that no one could ever mistake what he had done and and the scope and the grandeur with which it was done. Thank you for the raised Christ who is everything. We lift this time up to you, ask that it was glorifying to you and that it be glorifying as it goes out from this moment. We ask it for your glory only in your son's name. Amen. I'm always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study, just like you'll find at your local church. If you are in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, Freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends, so we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, 
Would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at studywithfriends.org. Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends. Study with friends.